Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market Podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market Podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with, um, uh-oh, I should have went over the name with you ahead of time, Shannon Lee? Yeah, the why, okay. <laughs> the why tripped you up, yeah. Yeah, the spelling. <laughs> okay, Shannon Lee, I can handle that. Um, she's from Win Without Pitching, and we're going to be talking to her about pricing and how to price services. She spent a decade in marketing and communications for a number of Fortune 500 companies before moving on to a leadership role at a Seattle design firm and then on to Win Without Pitching. Shannon, thanks for coming on today. You bet, Sky. I'm looking forward to it. So you are part of a new thing we're doing here where we decided to look at specific topics that, that we saw there was a lack of discussion around and go find people to talk on those. Cool. So pricing, there's a lot of talk about all these different techniques and practices and whatnot in marketing, but pricing is something that seems to be regularly overlooked and can make such a massive difference. Um, although there is kind of a push for the, the chief revenue officer and those kind of positions nowadays where maybe that is thought of a lot more, but a lot of small to medium businesses may not think about their pricing in, in the way they need to. Yeah. So pricing services, let's jump right in. Um, what can you tell us about that? Maybe tackle the services versus products part. Sure. So just to set a little context, our focus at Win Without Pitching is we are a sales training company for creative professionals. And so we work largely with companies who sell a service versus a product, sell their thinking and their ideas. And it really requires um, a more consultative sell that sees you as the expert and the ability to draw from different pricing strategies based on you know what what that client wants to uncover in terms of the value that you can bring to them so it's not something you can just put up on amazon kind of and somebody can look at five different versions and buy the cheapest one of the same thing or something like that yeah you're exactly right we view each proposal as a creative exercise unique to that client that you're in a conversation with right so it seems like right off the bat for that when it's a service there's a lot more trust involved. I think that, yeah, I think that's an interesting way to think about it. I mean, I think there's trust needed and involved on the product side, but when you're turning something over, you know, to a, a design agency, for example, or a UX agency, and you're making a bet that they're going to deliver an outcome to you, but it's really hard to see or understand what you're buying until you get through that sales cycle with them and then still placing your trust in them. Um, there need to be a lot of assurances along the way that you're working with an expert. And I think we, you know, there needs to be transparency in pricing and how you're doing it as well. Right. It, it sounds almost like it's a little bit of a black box and you don't know what you're getting other than an interview. And okay, they sound like they know what they're talking about until you... Then, then you just, you have to jump in, trust them and, uh, and hope it's like hiring somebody to an extent. You can vet them enough and then you know, once you hire them, will they, are they going to work out or not? Um, yeah, I think our hope is that the client understands what they're buying, but you're right at the end of the day, there's got to be kind of a mutual agreement. We're going to trust each other and try something because it may or may not work, right? There's going to be a leap of faith on some level. Okay. On the services side, great. That's kind of your guys' expertise. I do want to talk a little bit about pricing for, for products as well. I think a lot of this stuff probably applies to both. But just so the listeners know, yes, a lot of this will be about uh, kind of techniques for pricing services and, and whatnot. And that's where your, your expertise is. 
Um, so past that, the services versus product side, what, what can you tell us about pricing? Where do you want to start? Sure. Well, we think about pricing when, when we're working with clients and advising them in, in a few areas, just to kind of give you an overview. We want to understand what are any of the barriers to profit that need to be overcome. We want to understand pricing fundamentals. What do we need to just like be grounded in? Um, and then moving on to how do you, when you're in a sales conversation, uncover value and then price accordingly and build proposals that bring options instead of just one price and one option, which causes a variety of problems that I can speak to in a minute. Um, and we want people to be really good at, at guiding what we call the value conversation so that they move away from pricing based on time and materials and price based on the value that they're going to bring, the outcomes that they're going to provide. Right. So is that, um, you know, rather than getting the specs on a product and saying, here's how much this product's going to cost again and, and comparing them on, on Amazon, um, it's more of kind of, this is what it's going to save you type of, of values. Here's, here's the actual value instead of, so I guess rather than the value of the product, how much does it cost us to make this kind of, or something like that, where can, how much can you get it somewhere else? It's here's how much it's going to save you or make you yeah. because of the service. Right. So you'd look at things in value pricing, like uh, revenue gains or cost reductions or emotional contributions to value, right? Like there are some clients who not only do they want to improve their marketing, let's say, and, and become number two in the category, but they also want to, to get that VP position and they want the board to trust them. And so that's an emotional contribution to value that sometimes you can price around. It's sensitive, but it matters. It matters in the conversation. Right. So making them look good might mm -hmm. be a better selling point than even, I mean, I guess the ROI is probably what's going to help make them look good. Yeah. But uh, we've looked at it in the past saying you can save people time. Like a lot, a lot of times people are trying to sell somebody and if they're part of a larger machine, especially on the, the profit and what it's going to do for the company. And a lot of these people, it seems like they're really saying, well, if you can save me half an hour a day, if you can make my job more convenient so I can spend more time with my kids, that's why I'm buying your product. Not because it's going to raise the stock of my company 100%. or <laughs> you can make me look good to my bosses. So I get a promotion. It's like, stop trying to sell the company and sell the person kind of. Yeah. And that's why that value conversation that, that I'm mentioning is so important because you uncover in a value conversation more than just the, the company's need. You get to that individual's want and it sets you up not only to have honestly like a more transparent conversation about what we're trying to get at here, but it also elevates you in their mind because they see you as somebody who can come in and help and deliver some outcomes aside from revenue or cost, right? You may help elevate them in their career and they're willing to pay for that. That might be a value to them. So it seems kind of like we're getting into selling more than pricing. So I want to pull back a little bit. Yep. I know it's important. The pricing is, is related to what value are you bringing? How are you going to sell them? But you'd mentioned something with three options and giving options. And you see that constantly these days. I think it's a classic sales technique kind of, of here's the really inexpensive. Here's the one we actually are selling you. And then here's the super expensive that makes the inexpensive, the, the middle <laughs> one look, um, look doable. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? The giving multiple options pricing? Yeah. 
This is what we call, a, it's one of the, the rules of pricing in our mind. And there's no one pricing strategy. You have, to, you have to try different things based on what's needed for that particular client to be. But offering options is really important because by not offering options, if you just give them one price, it forces them to go compare. And I think also by offering options, yes, you can do exactly what you said, where you have that big anchor price, you have that lower, maybe do it yourself kind of price and something in the middle. And, and by the very fact of having three options and a big anchor price, sometimes that middle price looks like a good deal and you're able to actually bump it up a bit as a result. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're, you're in the camp of that's a good idea to give those multiple options and the, I guess multiple packages for whatever your service is. Yeah. Um, and we've touched on value-based pricing. I think that's what, what we were covering in the beginning. Jumping back to that, is there anything I left out? Jumping over to the three pricing options on the value-based part, anything more we need to touch on there? Well, maybe it would be good just to quickly talk about the components of a value conversation, just so everybody has a sense of like, what do I actually need to do to have a value conversation? Does that sound mm -hmm. like a good, Absolutely. good idea? You know what? Yeah. Components of a value, let's jump back even farther. Sure. People have services. Or, or product, and they need to know where do I start with my pricing. Um, they can go talk to the client, but they have to have a price and pricing in mind already before you even have a sales call. Mm -hmm. You should have an idea of what you might want to charge these people. I and mean, they ask you, I ask people all the time on the first call, okay, what's the cost? This is kind of something I need to know. Some yeah. products, it's tough. There's a lot of variables, so you can't. Some people, it's really easy and they still just don't want to tell you the price yet until they know how much you can pay for it because they don't have a price. It's what are you willing to pay? Um, so like very base, where should people start with their pricing? Like how should they come up with some pricing at all before they even... Um, you know, start the sales process with somebody just to know what they're going to charge for the service. Yeah. Yeah. There's two questions in there for me. Like, how do you set your prices? And then how do you respond to that? What's it going to cost when you're early in the sales conversation? Um, that's a rabbit hole. We could go down. <laughs> how do you set pricing? I'll just start with you need to know what your revenue goal is for the year. This may sound simplistic, I understand that, but if you're working from the idea that you have a million dollar revenue goal for the year and you ideally want to have maybe eight to 10 or 10 to 12 clients because you wanna be servicing fewer clients at a higher level of um, service and value, then you know that you probably need to be bringing on clients at about $100,000 worth of spend a year. And you probably then need to go get 10 to 12 of those clients, right? To hit your revenue goal. Then you need to understand how many clients do you typically close, right? If you have a 50% close rate, then you need to be talking to 20 clients at that $100,000 a year engagement if you're gonna close half and try to hit that million dollar revenue goal. It's one way to back into it. So you're, um, yeah, you're working, you say back, you're working backward kind of yeah. saying, here's how much we need to close in the year. Now, how many clients can we close? Here's how much we have to close each one for. Right, right. And then it seems like you'd almost build the product. So you know how much you need to close them for. Now you say, what do we need to provide to make that value? Yeah. Rather than making the product, which I guess is a product versus service. With the product, right. you make the product and you say, what can we sell this for? 
Right. Yeah. But then that's where you want to leave the door open because you may be able to get a half a million dollars out of one of those clients instead of a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah. So that's where, so that's your bottom. You, yeah. In order to make a profit and be in business, you need to sell for at least this much. Right. And then maybe you go do some research. What are your competitors? Oh, they're charging three times as much. Great. Mm -hmm. You could do two times as much or four times as much and still mm -hmm. be in the market. Yep. And you look at your, your roster of clients, almost like you look at your investment portfolio. So you're going to have some clients who are at the lower end. Maybe they're just a $50,000 a year client. You're going to have some that maybe really truly pay you based on the outcomes you provide and you hit metrics and it triggers big payouts and they may be big $1 million clients. And then you're going to have some in the middle, but it needs to be balanced just as if, because it's a, it's a risk, right? It's just a, it's a level of risk across the board. Right. Now, what about the, and it seemed like you might've been saying that a little bit. I know with services, again, it's not a product. So um, they're, those clients, one is bringing in a ton of revenue for you and one not much, and you're providing vastly different services for them. Um, but what about the idea that I see a lot of companies doing where you may have two clients and you're providing the exact same thing, but one of them's paying a lot more for it because you were able to sell, close them to pay a lot more for it. Yeah. So what about fixing pricing? Should companies be more flexible and basically charge as much as they can get from the client? Um, or should you have fixed pricing? You should base pricing. You should set pricing based on the client, not the job. So if you have two clients who are getting the same level of service, but one of those clients is a you know multi-billion dollar enterprise versus the client who's maybe a more of a mom and pop, right? You're pricing the client, not the job. That's one of the rules that you want to think about. So there is, the market will bear more obviously for that big multi-billion dollar enterprise than the mom and pop shop. The other thing that comes into play there is to your point, you can't be servicing all of your clients at the same level. And frankly, not everybody wants a first class experience. And that's why understanding like how to guide this value conversation and putting price options in front of them so that they know what they're getting and what they're not getting in each option and starting to determine what they value is really important. And then when you win the work, you have to service it appropriately. So you're not over-servicing those that don't really need it. So there's, there's a whole lot of discipline involved in that. But by and large, I think a lot of, a lot of creative agencies anyway that we work with over-service all their clients and they don't need to be doing that. And that's what eats into profitability. Interesting. Okay. So you're saying it's okay to charge the large client way more, but you are actually providing more for them. Again, yeah. it, it, it's not like you have a bullet list of here's the things we're doing. And maybe you do, maybe some clients have more, they have more needs. There's more you're actually doing for the larger client. But even if you have the same services you're doing for them, you're going to be giving more attention to the higher paying client because they're paying for more attention, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and, and a smaller client probably wants and needs less attention because they want to pay less. So it's not, I mean, I see this kind of pricing frequently and it seems like it's designed by salespeople to maximize sales, which is a big part of pricing. I definitely want to get into that too. Like you, you don't want to make sure you're getting paid half of what you should be getting or could be getting paid. Um, making yourself work a hell of a lot more for your profit than, than you need to. But at the same time, I've got a little bit of an issue with the, what's our pricing? I don't know. What can you afford um, if, you, if it's the same product? And salespeople love that. And I've heard plenty of and seen plenty of books where they talk about that. Like 
you never publicize your pricing because you're cutting the legs out from the salespeople to maximize profit. Goal of the company is maximize profit. Well, not really. Goal of the company is to serve your client. You also want to maximize profit, but not at their expense. So what's the balance there? Like, how do you make sure you're not on the dark side of pricing? Yeah, use your power for good, right? We, we, we advocate for value pricing for the sole reason that if you're able to really value price that client, it is really focused on the outcomes and the better vision you're going to help that client achieve. And the delightful benefit is you're going to be more profitable as a result. You shouldn't go into it looking to charge high prices just because you can or price gouge. That's not right. That's not ethical. The, the way that we view pricing is so that it is it's fair for both parties and it's a collaborative conversation about what are we going to get done here? What are the metrics we're going to measure it by? And what's the reward as a result of creating a lot of value for your company? Right. So it gets back to the creating value. You can, yep. as long as you're creating an extensive amount of value, it's fine. And again, I, I deal with a lot of product pricing, not so much service maybe. Mm -hmm. So in the product side, you see that and it's very, okay, this is the same exact software, but this guy's paying three times as much. It's a little weird. It's a different kind of, uh, it's a different kind of game or, or a different kind of selling because scale is important in product. Um, scale is not as important in services, right? So that's or not a as, bit not of, as possible, I guess. Not as possible <laughs> also. Yeah. Very tough. Uh, I think prices scale massively when you scale with services, whereas the whole idea with software is you can, you can scale without uh, things going crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Moving right along. Um, we're jump I'll try to jump around a little less. You just, things That's keep okay. coming up and I realize, wait, let's yeah. address this. Let's address that. I'm hanging um, with you fine, Sky. Let's, let's give some stuff to chew on for the listeners here with some kind of major do's and don'ts. Okay. So setting pricing, Again, let's jump around. Okay. When I use the word setting pricing, yeah, let's hit the setting pricing part first of deciding what you're going to charge. So your people need to have some sort of a document showing them here's what to charge, right? You have salespeople, they have to know here's your scale. Here's where for each of these services, what you can charge. So they have some, some context in in what to do. Setting that pricing, we talked a little bit about building it backward, looking at competitors, anything else people should know about that, setting that initial pricing and whether they should have a document for their salespeople, like I was saying. So we come at it a little differently because by creating a document that says, this is how much these things are going to cost, it forces you into solutions mode. So you go into a conversation with a prospect you uncover what their, their desired future state is. What is, their, what is their want beyond the need of building a website, for example? And you're an expert at seeing patterns and bringing solutions. And if you have that document that says, here's what these things cost, you go right into solutions mode instead of really uncovering what it is they need, how we're going to measure success, what does like a fair range look like in terms of the investment you're willing to make, and then leave and go back and talk to your team about the solutions you're going to bring to bear. So we don't want to arm a salesperson necessarily with a document that has pricing, you know, per solution. And a lot of times we'll advocate to remove pricing from the front lines altogether and get those salespeople really good at qualifying and really good at having a value conversation and then bringing that back to a pricing council, for example, 
to really set price and provide solutions around those prices. Interesting. Do you get a lot of pushback on that? Because again, as somebody who's, who's being sold this stuff frequently, somebody doesn't want to put the pricing on the menu. They don't want to let me know what the cost is until I've gotten way down the path. I'm like, hey, I need to know a range at least here to know if we're wasting our time. I'm fine with providing a range or a minimum level of engagement as long as you're it's in context, right? So it's fine to say, hey, before we get too farther into the conversation, I should let you know that we have a minimum level of engagement of $100,000 in the first year of working together. Okay, looking, great. Right? Is that, are those the kinds of funds you've allocated for this initiative? Or yeah. you could say, you can probably expect on the high end, it might be a million. On the low end, it might be 50,000. I won't know until we get into it more, but I'll just give you a sense. Like, it's fine to do that. Okay. So going back, I'm not necessarily saying here's a bullet point, you know, if you want us to um, do X, Y, Z, SEO, it costs this and this yeah. and this and this, but more of, yes, you want your website redesigned. It's, you know, it's going to be within this range. Here's roughly the type of pricing options. Of yeah. course, we can keep going up the more tens of thousands of pages and content, and whatever you want but you're going to be in this range. It's not just the salesperson has no idea if it's a $99 website or a $99,000 website. Um, so they have an idea. It's just a loose area because services have so many different areas. You, you have to custom build everything. Yeah. And you bring up another good point, um, especially with websites or, you know, it could be any sort of project, but there may be that need to have a diagnostic phase first because it's not a slam dunk in your mind about what it is you're pricing because you need to learn more. And you just have to be sure you get paid for that, right? To, to diagnose, you prescribe a solution. Right. It's basically a website is not a website is not a website. Right. <laughs> mm. I've cringed there for a second because I think my internet was going somewhere to my neighbor's uh, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll probably leave this in just for fun for the listeners. I get this little message on my screen instead of saying slow internet, it should just saying your neighbors are streaming too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So service again, that's the difference. That's why products and services are priced so drastically different. Yeah. Um, one is completely custom. I mean, basically you're buying a print from a shop or you're having some Picasso paint you a painting. You got you, it. You can't really say, here's what it's going to cost. You're not going to say, what's your hourly rate, Picasso? Um, <laughs> yeah. How offensive, right? <laughs> one of the analogies I, I like to use with pricing sometimes is the yard sale Picasso, where people have this product and they say, it's the best in the world and it's this and that and it, every, it's so great and it's 99 cents. And you're just like, well, obviously it's garbage if you're charging that much for it. Charge $9,000 and you might get somebody to buy it. But when you charge so little, nobody's going to buy it because it's supposed to be this amazing thing. Um, you have to have kind of pricing that makes sense and doesn't weird people out almost. If you don't charge enough, not only do you lose money, but you lose clients because they're like, we're not going to hire the firm that has the $99 all-you-can-eat marketing package. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Um, okay, great. So constantly pushing on the difference here between product and services. Now, after talking to you for a little bit, I understand so much why, why that, why that is so, so important and, 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 and whatnot. Um, anything else we should get to before going to a break here is it's just about break time. Um, no, I think we're good for now before break. Maybe we can jump into um, some further rules of pricing when we get back. There's some others I could go over. Yeah, I had mentioned the do's and don'ts before completely changing the subject. 
So we'll get to some of that. Um, before we get to the break, even though we haven't talked about you and we haven't uh, talked about win without pitching your, your firm there at all. Can you give us a little, little bit of your story, how you got where you're at and um, just a little bit about win without pitching, what you do there, what they do? Sure, you bet. So I started out on the client side working for big Fortune 100 companies like AT&T Wireless and Safeco Insurance. And I did everything from marketing communications to investor relations and decided the big corporate gig wasn't for me, even though it was invaluable experience. And I moved over to the marketing and advertising agency side and I did sales and I found that I loved it and found I had some unique skills there. And during that time, uh, met Blair Enns, who's the founder of Win Without Pitching, the company that I'm with now, and really adapted my way of selling to the Win Without Pitching way of selling. And it just really was something that worked for me and felt like it was filled with a lot more integrity and transparency. And it was it made selling fun. And he asked me then to come on as the director of coaching about five years ago now. And um, I've never looked back. It's just a lot of fun to work with small businesses and help them feel more comfortable selling and do a better job pricing. That is an odd path. Everyone goes the other direction. Um, most people do not. And most people I talk to are in marketing and they started in sales because that's the job they could get. And then as yeah. soon as somebody let them do something where they weren't pitching people. Yeah. Now you're in sales, but you're still not pitching. I mean, the whole name of the company is win yeah. without pitching. Is the general concept there that, you kind of, instead of pitching, you assume the sale and just start moving down the path? Part of it comes because when without pitching's philosophy is you have to be selling from a place of expertise. And so it sets you up to actually have more fun in the sale because they come to you, that prospect comes to you viewing as you as the expert mm -hmm. and they let you lead instead of treating you like the vendor. So selling is more fun when you sell from that place of expertise because you can get right into, okay, let's hear about the challenge. Let me see if I can help. We may or may not be the right fit, but we'll have a conversation and decide. So it just changes the whole process. And I think it feels more credible, honestly. I'm sure it's a great services and everything. It sounds a little bit like you're boiling frogs there and people <laughs> they're signing the check and they're like, wait a second. I never even said yes. <laughs> I never, I was never sold by these people. I just kept doing the next step. Yeah. It's um, the Jedi magic. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that Jedi, uh, Jedi mind tricks for sales and pricing. We're going to run off the break. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back with uh, Shannon Lee she is the director of coaching over at Win Without Pitching, and we're talking about uh, how to price services today. If you're not always on the lookout for new data sources for your sales and marketing, you're just not doing your job. I've got great news for you, though. You can go to topdatasearch.com, sign up for a free Top Data Search account, and use promo code IYM500 to get 500 contact download credits. Again, that's topdatasearch.com and promo code IYM500. Welcome back to the Ify Market Podcast. We are here talking with uh, Shannon Lee about pricing and optimizing pricing for, for services. Um, let's get back into the value pricing area. I think we touched on that. We kind of set the foundation a bit, but that is really the meat of the pricing services, this, this value pricing. Everything's so loose. We've tied that down. Your pricing is going to be very loose on services. Product side people, 
calm down. You know, we, we usually have a handful of, you know, bullet points with dollar amounts next to them right on the website. Services don't quite work that way. So you've got this very loose idea of what the price is for the services. It really depends on what the client's needs are, how big mm-hmm. they want to go, how many man hours they need, you know, whether their website is, has a hundred thousand visitors an hour or, you know, 10 visitors a, a year right now, that kind of thing is probably going to dictate a lot of, of what the cost is going to be. So you're going in to talk to a client. They want X, Y, Z. Let's come up with a hypothetical service. What's the most common for you guys? Oh, let's, let's say it's a rebrand of a company or maybe a new product to launch in the beer and spirits and wine category, something like that. Excellent. So rebranding, uh, we had a lot of Goldschlager talk during the break. You guys missed we did. out See on how that. I tied <laughs> that together. <laughs> <laughs> rebranding your Goldschlager um, or your cheap vodka, like saying, can we sprinkle some gold leaf on top of it and sell it for more? So you guys are being brought in to rebrand something. Let's make it a office Goldschlager so we keep it B2B here. Uh, so, so rebranding your office booze and um, you're starting the conversation with these people you have very loose pricing. Now you're going in, not creating the pricing for your product in this situation, but managing the pricing during the sales process. Yeah. This would be the step where you're going to have the value conversation. So I'll break that down to like, what does that mean? How do you do that? When you're at the point where you're ready to have a value conversation to understand how you might price this opportunity, you want to make sure you have all the the senior decision makers in the room, because those are the people that are charged with creating future value for the organization. They're going to have a bigger ability to, to vision and think strategically. You want to make sure that the flip has happened, right? That they know you're the expert and you have a sense of what their three-year vision is. Then you're going to come into that meeting and, and say, okay, we're all here now to talk a bit further about how we're going to create value for you with this product launch. And you want to restate the vision that you heard them explain to you for this product that they want to launch. You want to, in your own words, say, hey, we, we know you want to be the market leader in the Goldschlager category for B2B enterprise. This is getting right. funny, isn't it? So you're um, not trying to sell them a widget. You're basically saying, you want this to be done. We want to help you get there. Yep. Now let's do it together. I'm restating what I heard. Does that sound right? Anything that I missed? Okay, great. By that point, so you're setting up that you're on the same team. Yes. At that point, you're not, hey, we're now a team. I'm not pitching. Yes. It's win without pitching. This is a collaborative, okay. transparent conversation. We're going to work on how we're going to get there together. Okay, so you got the vision right. Then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to start to talk about how are we going to know if we're successful? Okay, well, there might be an increase in revenue. This might become the, the hottest liquor on the shelf for the holidays. It may really elevate this team that's in charge of launching this product and they're considered the go-to team to launch all the new products in the future. Okay, how are we gonna measure that? How much revenue do you wanna create? Um, how many new products as the go-to team would you wanna launch in the future? So you're gonna get really granular about numbers here and uncover like we talked about maybe some of those emotional contributions to value. And once you've right. understood like the metrics you're going to measure it by, you're kind of doing math on the fly, honestly, right? Like that's why the value conversation is something you fail forward into because you got to practice it in order to do it. <laughs> and so then you're going to say, okay, you want X amount in revenue increase. You want to launch X amount of new products this year after this product. And, you know, 
we could potentially create $5 million in new revenue for you. Does it feel like a fair investment? Because here you're looking to just designate a range, not lock them to a price, but designate a range. Does it feel like a fair investment if we create that $5 million in revenue for you to invest $1 million in the effort to get this done? And right. you're so, looking for a reaction to see what's the ceiling and what's the, what's the floor? What's the range they're willing to let you work within? Right. So it almost seems like at that point, it's like you're a salesperson working for them, negotiating your commission or something. You're saying, look, I can come in and do this. Here's how much, what's it worth to you? What, are you, what part are you willing to give me? Yeah. And, and what you're trying to do is just understand the range. And then you're saying to them, okay, great. I have an understanding now of what you're willing to invest. I'm going to go back and sit with my team and talk about how might we solve this problem for you. And then I'm going to come back next week, Thursday at four, and I'm going to present three options for you. And, and that's then where that meeting ends and you leave and you go do the next step, which is creating the three option proposal. So you're creating, you're reverse engineering the pricing, even at that point, you have a loose idea of what your services cost, but you're finding out what do they want done. Yeah. And then you have to go back and say, how are we going to achieve this within their loose budget kind of, or probably within one third more than what they've said they want to pay or something yeah. like that. Are there any rules around that? I mean, where do you, maybe you don't want to, say it live, but <laughs> when somebody well, gives you a, you know, yes, we want to get 10 million by the end of Christmas on this. And we also want to be able to go home and spend it with our family, not, you know, doing all the marketing and everything for this. Um, here's what we're willing to pay. Do you typically, and is that the three, are you basically like, here's the $99 version. Here's the double what you're willing to pay version. And then here's just slightly more than you're willing to pay. So here's how we think about it. The whole time this conversation is focused on, on the client, not you. And it's not focused on solutions because all you're trying to do is get to like, what's the value we can bring for you here. When you go oh, back. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm past that. Yeah. You had that conversation. Go, um, yeah. Now you go back to your boardroom and you say, what you are we going to put together for them? You want to bring an option to them that's in their budget range, but you also, I believe it's your obligation as a, a marketing firm to really push the envelope for them and, and show them what that bigger future might be that you might even be willing to attach some risk to. So right. you're going to have that big anchor option that might be a million dollars in fees. And if we hit the 5 million in revenue, you get a 10% bonus as the agent. You have a bonus on there. Yeah. yeah. So you're putting skin in the game, right? Right. So they might say, we want to do 5 million in sales. You say, great. What if we do 10? Yeah. Here's the cost we can do for it. Like, and you're willing it? to risk. You could do 5 million in sales and have four in profit, or you could do 10 and have, you know, eight in profit. Yeah. Or, yeah. Nine, or seven in profit, uh, kind of. Interesting. Okay. You may get back to the office and realize, no, you're not willing to put skin in the game because you can't guarantee it. So then you come back with three options that are, like, you know, low This alcohol high. sucks. We do right. not want to. <laughs> We don't want to back it. Oh, we've all seen that, I think, where you're dealing with a client and you're like, look, we cannot, their product is not good enough. We're, yeah. we, we can give them the service, but we, we can't go all in with them on this. Yeah. Like, we're not buying into this company. I'm sorry. And that's okay. That's why really you can probably only truly value price about 20% of your portfolio because you're not going to do that with everybody. Right. Of course, none of our clients have I ever felt that way about. Exactly. Other, I've heard, I've heard <laughs> people say it before. Um, okay. So that's pricing again, service, pricing services here. Uh, I want to touch just a tiny bit on products. So if you have a product, it's going to be different. You're probably going to have your pricing set out front on something like this, where it gets a little more similar maybe 
is when you're looking at leveraging the pricing on a product at, you know, for, let's say for this service with a, with a company, you come in and you put together your pricing and uh, come back to them and they just look at it and say, awesome. And they sign. And your first thought is crap. Yeah. <laughs> they signed way too quickly. We, we should have charged double on yes. this. We're going to be working our asses off and to break even and they know it. Um, so kind of knowing that you're not way under charging, um, yourself in the product world, it's really easy to put something out and AB test it and yeah. say, great, let's do three different pricings on three different pages and see if people buy just as much as the one that's twice as much, a little more difficult in the service area. Yeah. So it's the reality is you're going to you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. You don't know until you go out and experiment and try. I would hope though, that if you are in what I would call like an effective and productive sales conversation, you're going to be able to talk about money enough that you're going to have a sense of what their budget is, what their needs are, uncover metrics, like try to have a sense of things that you would be able to come in a little closer on price. But I, I definitely have had clients that it, that happens to, and they just right away, they're like, well, we have to kind of take it because we just didn't price it right. We're going to learn better for the next time around. But here's an idea. Here's one idea you could try. And I've seen people do this with success. You could build in a tip clause and you could say, okay, at the end, if we have created more value, right, than, than was expected or exceeded expectations, feel free to tip us what you think the appropriate reward should be. I like that. That's, what you're implying there is like, if you feel like you really screwed us when we signed this, like help us out a little bit, yeah. man. Come help on. Us out. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not getting, I work on tips, right? Yeah. Help me out a little bit here. I like that. A tip yeah. clause. That's awesome. That is a great tip. Um, there is to, to have that tip clause, at least then if also, if you overperform, yeah, they can say, Hey, these guys kick butt and there's a mechanism built in for us to incentivize them to continue to do this for us. It's, yeah. it's like a bonus without having to negotiate the bonus kind of. Yeah, totally. You know, it's saying, hey, by the way, if you want to give me an end of year bonus, it's open. You can do yep. it. <laughs> no problem there. Okay, I love that. Um, you got a tip clause in there. That's a great guard against getting taken advantage of. I realize here, really easy for me to transition into pitching you guys potentially. It seems like when we talk about oops, we accidentally left a bunch of money on the table and are, you know, endangering, endangering our profit margins because we aren't charging enough for this service. Is that kind of part of what you guys do there as, as a company to win without pitching? You come in and consult people to make sure they, because yeah. it seems like you have to have experience. That's the only way you know if you're underselling yourself and your services and you're busting your ass mm -hmm. for, for nickels and dimes. And then you guys can come in and be like, no, you should be charging this much. You're leaving yeah. way too much on the table. Pricing is definitely an, an exercise in confidence. And yes, we definitely help people build that confidence and, and push them to charge more because they just, it, it would be easy in a lot of cases for our clients to just double what they're charging, but they're just, they're afraid. And then we push them and they try and it works and, oh, okay, we'll double it again. Right. So yeah, there's, we do it through sales training, confidence building, pricing strategy, um, just giving them that outside perspective. Nice. 
so your tip on the tip clause, anything else like that? Can you, can that, that's just too good of a, of a tip not to ask for more. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one more that's tactical and then I'll give you a couple more rules of pricing, especially in, in times like this that we're in with, you know, the pandemic and the economy selling may feel like it's different. I don't think it has to be. I still think you should sell and sell with integrity um, and be creative. If, if somebody can't afford an entire engagement, then why not just maybe open an hourly job and start working that way to get some money exchanging hands or let them pay a smaller amount so that there's a little bit of an exchange and work out longer terms, right? That they can pay over. So just some things to think about in this kind of interesting environment we're in. Um, With that, what about like the 80-20 rule? I mean, how much of that should you be doing versus saying we actually don't want to cater to this, especially in a service where your resources are limited? It's not a software where you can just make as many copies as you want. Um, Maybe you don't want to be spending too much time with people at that low. Let's just do something for them when you could be dealing with more Fortune 500 clients. Yeah, it's, it's a little case by case, depending on where your business is and if you need to survive or if you're thriving and you want to be helpful. Right. Um, but your spidey senses have to be good, right? Like, because you're right. If somebody can afford to pay, they need to pay. But if, they're, if you have a, an honest conversation and somebody really needs to help and they're really in a jam and you do see the value of how you might be able to help, that's where you'd want to try and enter into something that feels a little different and maybe a little bit more of a give than a take. Right. And maybe uh, if you don't have enough time to properly serve your large clients, don't be taking on the, uh, uh, what do they call it when lawyers take a case? The, the pro bono oh, yeah, the uh, type, <laughs> type yeah, clients. Like, I'm sorry, you're neglecting the, the guys who pay the bill for your pro bonos. You got a problem. Yeah. But if you don't have any clients, go, go sick with a pro bono. <laughs> go do something to <laughs> keep what your you mind and yeah, like keep moving. Keep moving. Decide to win. You were going to give us some more great tips and I interrupted. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I think the other couple that I wanted to mention is make sure that you say the price before you show the price. Before you go into that meeting and present the three options, for example, give that client a call or drop them an email. Hey, we're looking forward to the conversation. Just want to let you know the range is coming in at this. Don't like drop the bomb on them right then and there in the meeting if you don't have to. Mm. Um, that's one. one Let little. it percolate a little bit before you're sitting down in person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the other, the other ones I actually think we covered, right. I just, just to reiterate, like price the client, not the job offer options. Always have an anchor option in there. It makes everything else look more affordable. Okay. Um, what if you don't really have much more? You're like, Hey, here's, here's the price. This is within their budget. We're giving them everything we got. Should you come up with a bigger one where where you're basically like, here's one where you can pay us twice as much and we'll just give you more love or something. <laughs> like, what can you possibly add on? Or is it just, hey, this is our services. We better come up with some, with some gold leaf to sprinkle on top. I think it's a matter of understanding like how much of the bounds of your business model do you want to break, right? If you know like you've hit the limit of what you can offer, do you want to look past that and maybe throw in some things like, We'll uh, introduce you to the CEOs of the other companies we work with and create a roundtable for you. Or Super we'll, Bowl tickets. Uh, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> it's it's a little bit of like what feels like too much, right? Yeah. Pick up your dry cleaning for you. Right. right. <laughs> like, what what can we just start adding on? They have more money. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. do you want? Like, personally in your life, what what can we handle for you? <laughs> um, we heard you have more budget. 
Yeah, we'll help you spend it. <laughs> okay, so you can always find some, again, the gold, the gold slogger is a great one, some gold yeah. leaf to sprinkle on top. Yeah. If, if you see there's more budget out there and maybe they really want that stuff, sometimes those convenience things are a much, are, are as big a deal as everything else when it comes yeah. to, uh, you know, if you have multiple firms that can do kind of the same job, it isn't like one, you're great and everybody else sucks. Yeah. Add something that's a little fun on there, maybe, and uh, that could be the difference maker. Yeah. But what may be important to them is access to this, the owner of the firm, right? Like you have mm -hmm. to pay for that, but you can have it if that's important to you. Also, does this come into play? I, I talk about it with friends regularly with the, uh, you know, getting a good steak at a restaurant. And I've, I've always said, I can cook a steak at home. I make it pretty good most of the time. And people say you go to a restaurant and you're paying for the experience. But I say, I, I don't know. I've been to restaurants that have a great ambiance and whatnot. And they totally F up the steak. And I'm like, this isn't that difficult. I do it at home. You put the meat on a grill. You could, it gets cooked. And, and they just give you a hockey puck. And I'm thinking, okay, the product has to be good. Like you yeah. can't screw up the steak. But I've been also to a hole in the wall place and had a delicious steak. Yeah. And I see the difference between what the high price service. So you're selling a service. The big difference should be whether you're cooking a steak or making a website redesign or a brand redesign that when they come to you for this, they know you're going to do it well every time. So it, rarely do I go out and eat a steak, never anymore. Um, but, yeah. but when I do, if I'm going to go out and, you know, pay a significant amount for a steak that I could cook probably as well at home, um, I want to know it's not a 50-50 chance I'm going to have a terrible experience. Yeah. Like I want to know every time I come to your firm that you're overdoing it. And maybe I'm willing to pay way more to know that you're doing overkill. You're not just barely going to try to pull it off, that you're really doing overkill to guarantee that every time I go out to have a steak, because I've, you know, I'm rich, I'm a Fortune 500 company, I can afford to have steak every single day, but I only mm -hmm. have so many days in my life, I need to know you're going to hit a home run every damn time, because I'm going to yeah. pay you home run prices every time. Yep. So how much of it is that? Just the confidence that, look, you're charging a ton here almost as insurance. If something starts to go wrong, then we're going to throw a shit ton more attention at this. But as it is, hopefully everything's smooth and fine. Well, so this is a good point though, Sky, because you want to charge the right price because you want to leave padding in there if something does go sideways. So you don't have to go back to that client with a change order, for example. Do All you that sell that to them though? Do you tell them, look, there's this is why you may be getting a price that's lower from our competitors and they're probably maxed out. And if anything goes wrong, it's going to crash and burn. Do you yeah. really want to risk your campaign that there won't be a hiccup? Cause there always will. And they're on the line. We are leaving room to make sure every time you're going to have a good experience. Yeah. And the way to position it is really similar to what you said. Like, look, we, we're experts. We do this all the time. And here's where things usually go wrong. And the reason the price is the price is so that we've built in some breathing room for ourselves, if in case that happens, so we don't have to go back and have another price conversation. Right. When yeah. things, we aren't going to just basically turn tail and run if things collapse. Exactly. We're, we're going to be there to continue to make sure it, it works. Okay. Yep. Sorry. That just kind of came to mind. Any more rules to pricing um, that you had? You put out some good ones. Any, any that, uh, that we haven't touched on yet? No, I just want to remind everybody like 
pricing is there's no one set strategy. Bring this attitude of experimentation and try some different things. Fantastic. Uh, try some different things. Again, getting back to the service versus product. A, B, test your pricing when you have a product. Try it out. It's so much easier for us. We're super lucky if you're not doing that and you have that easy mechanism to do it. Figure out what people are willing to pay for your service. Obviously, look at your competitors, see what they're charging, but also, you know, what are they willing to pay? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what's the pricing. The market will decide if a baseball card's worth anything or not. <laughs> uh, and then uh, one last thing here for you. Um, any great stories for us? Do you have any stories, great success, great failure? Whatever. What's your best story around pricing for us? There's a lot. And that's what feels good about it. <laughs> Honest to God, like it's what feels good about it. Um, we ran a pricing boot camp uh, about two or three months ago. And one of the clients over the course of this six-week pricing boot camp attributed a million dollars in revenue to switching just to this three-tier pricing model. Just by putting options in front of people, he increased his revenue by a million dollars. There's the a one. lot of that. Now, yeah. was this a billion-dollar company that added a million, or is this like a 500000 that added a million? Yeah, no, it's, it wasn't a billion-dollar company. It was more maybe like a multi-million, but not like a huge even $10 million company. Um, so the other thing too, is like, we hear a lot from people that they just, they gain a ton of confidence through pricing this way, because it feels like it's, it, it's filled with integrity, which it is. And I had a client who for the first time after working with us for two years, finally mustered the bravery to put a, an anchor option in where he tied some risk to it. And the client had never seen anything done like that before. When you and, say tied risk, do you mean like tied risk to so, them where they are getting paid based on performance or tied risk to the client? So the agency said, my client, the agency said to his client to be, it's $500,000 to work with us this year on this strategy. And if we deliver and it increases your profitability, then there'll be a million dollar payout to us over the course of three years. And that that prospect company had never seen anything done like that before. And, and he said, let's do it. Let's enter into it. We don't quite know how we're going to get it done, but because you're willing to like put skin in the game and really be our partner, we're willing to figure it out, even though it might get messy along the way. Right. This, um, they're they're a, a salary plus commission salesperson at kind of at that point outside, like yeah. they're saying, yes, we're going to, we're going to take this on. And then they, I would imagine possibly the client likes it because they see, oh, they're not just trying to close the deal. Yeah. Like they are now incentivized to have to come through and come through. Mm -hmm. The more they come through, the better for both sides. Absolutely. You How know, common other, is that? Well, you know, there, there are not as many of those like stories as there are, you know, some of the others because it, it requires you to run your business differently. It requires you to kind of sometimes push the bounds of your business model there are lots of those stories, dozens, dozens of those stories. Um, but the more clients we reach with this kind of approach, the more willing they are and, and the more success stories we hear. So, And what about, I mean, you talked about putting in the tip clause, mm -hmm. the bonus clause. Is there any downside to saying, okay, here's what you wanted to hit. If you hit more, we get a bonus because you're already past their goal anyway. There's no downside. And I think one of the things to remember is uh, because sometimes this is not such easy stuff to measure and metrics and things may change along the way in the course of the engagement, you have to be open to allowing that messiness and that tension. And, and you have to have that 
party on the other side that's willing to talk through things with you and make some changes if need be, as long as everybody feels it's fair. So the downside could be them saying, wait, now we're going to have to do a bunch of reporting and looking at our revenues and all this. How are we going to measure this metric? Yeah. So if, if you make it something that makes them do work and be held accountable to pay you now, they could start feeling a little weird about it. It's, I guess it's got to be a measurable metric that you're looking at, very easily measurable what you're bringing in. Yeah, but I, I don't want to discourage anybody from, like, if it's not totally clear um, and you've got a willing partner to try and figure it out, to try. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it seems, again, like a salesperson comes to us, says, we want to join your team and uh, here's what I want to get paid. You know, what it, what's... What do you expect people to sell in a year? Great. If yeah. I do double that, give me this bonus. I'm not going to say no. Right. <laughs> and maybe the guy comes in and says, wow, this is really easy to sell. And their metric was way too low. Yeah. Um, like there's, there's zero risk to you as long as you don't make it something that's complicated for them to actually report on mm -hmm. to, to say, you never know going in. Maybe the client was really easy to overperform for and, 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 and you're going to knock it out. So build in that, uh, that, that bonus clause, I guess. Mm -hmm. Tip yeah. clause, if you're, if you're new and probably messing up on the pricing and bonus <laughs> clause, if you're not. Yeah, I love that. Great way to explain it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, time has flown by here. Anything we haven't touched on? Anything that people really need to know that, uh, that we're leaving out here? Man, we covered a lot. I just want everybody to go try one or two of these things now. That's my challenge to the audience. Excellent. And... If they want to try one or learn more about it, I imagine reaching out to you guys would be a good thing to do there. Yeah. Winwithoutpitching.com. The website will be in the show notes, of course. Yep. Um, people could find you on LinkedIn, I imagine. Yep. Anywhere else they should be looking to uh, reach out to you, reach out to the company? I think those are the best places. Everything is right there on the website. And we have a YouTube channel where you can get to that through the website. You can ask us a question and we'll answer via YouTube. Fantastic. So we were all about pricing today. Um, I imagine pricing is not the main or only thing you guys do there. Anything else that you want to put out that within your guys' services? Sure. It, we help with sales training uh, from the aspect of giving you a framework to sell from, feeling more confident in the sale, understanding kind of where the buyer is in their journey and how to meet them with the right kind of skills and tactics. So that's another big area that we work on. So the core thing would be the sales training sales area. Training. Mm -hmm. Pricing just being what we were tapping you guys for. Yeah. Pricing is important, but sales is, you know, you got to have the right kind of sales conversation to get to the right kind of pricing conversation. Fantastic. All right. Well, everybody, you can, uh, you can find the show notes, more information on Shannon Lee on ifymarket.com. Don't be fooled by the extra Y's and N's in her name. <laughs> and uh, please do uh, share us on social media, tell a friend, um, you know, get the word out about the podcast here. We put this all together for you. And uh, on behalf of the Iffy Market team and Shannon Lee of Win Without Pitching, thank you for listening to the Iffy Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with uh, value-based pricing, they will come. Thanks, everybody.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.